Mesechus Eben, Perek Yud, Mishnah Yud Gimel, until Mesechus Pesachim, Perek Aleph, Mishnah Aleph. As we saw in the previous couple of Mishnayas, Bamikdosh Ligozer Mishum Shavus. In the base Hamikdosh, the rabbinic prohibitions of Shabbos do not apply. Shavus is the term used for rabbinic prohibitions on Shabbos, and these in general do not apply in the base Hamikdosh. As we saw, according to some Rishonim, if it's a severe prohibition with Rabbanon, then it would apply even in the base Hamikdosh. Be as it may, the Mishnah's next example is Machzirin Ritiya Bamikdosh. One is allowed to put back a bandage on a person's wound in the Beis Hamikdosh, but not outside of the Beis Hamikdosh, not in the rest of the country. In general, this is forbidden in case you come to smooth some cream or other similar substances onto the wound or onto the bandage, which is forbidden mid eraisa. So in Jabonon, you cannot put a bandage at all on the wound, of course, unless it's very dangerous, in case you come to violate the prohibition mid eraisa of smoothing the cream onto the bandage. Now, the reason why this was permitted in the Beis Hamikdash is that the halacha is that a Kohen can only do the service in the Beis Hamikdash if there is nothing blocking between his hands and the utensils which he is using. If there is a chatzitza, if there is a material which is blocking between his hands and the besamikdosh's utensils, then the service which he does is invalid, which means that if the Kohen had a bandage on him, he would not be able to do the besamikdosh's service. Now, if it would be forbidden to put a bandage back on, then the Chachom were concerned that the Kohenim would not do the Aved on the besamikdosh. If they had a wound on their hand, and it would mean they would have to take off the bandage, and wouldn't be able to put the bandage back on once they'd finished, then they were concerned that the Karni would not really be able to, or would not be willing to do the Besamikdash's service. So in order that the Kohen be willing to do so, the Chacham permitted him to put the bandage back on, once he has finished doing the Aveda, doing the service in the Beis HaMikdash. This comes under the rule of Hitiru Soifa Mishum Tchilasai, where the Chachomim permitted doing something at the end because of the beginning. So they permitted you to do something after you do the Aveda, after you serve in the Beis HaMikdash, so that you will do so in the first place. However, says the Mishnah, but to put the bandage on at the beginning for the first time, also that's forbidden both here and here, meaning in the Beis Hamikdash's whole leniency was only to a Kohen who already had a bandage on him. So he wouldn't want to take it off and then not be able to put it back on. And therefore we allow him to take it off and put it back on so that he will do the Aveda in the Beis Hamikdash. But if the Kohen had not yet even put a bandage on at all, and he wants to put it on for the first time, then it is forbidden. Because then it's not really like he's doing it for the sake of the service of the Beis Hamikdash. He's just doing it for his own need, so it is forbidden even in the Beis Hamikdash. Next example, Koshin Nimab Hamikdash. They can tie a string onto an instrument in the Beis Hamikdash, since in order to perform the service of the Beis Hamikdash, there's a requirement for the Levim to sing and for them to play instruments. So if one of the strings became undone on Shabbos, then you are allowed to retie it on Shabbos. And the way we're going to understand this is that although it's forbidden mid oraisa to make a knot on Shabbos, if it's for the sake of a mitzvah, then it overrides Shabbos. And even though this is not directly related to the mitzvah, this is only so that you can fulfill the mitzvah. Nevertheless, this mission is of the opinion that machshire mitzvah doch Shabbos, that even things which are necessary in order to reach the mitzvah, even that overrides Shabbos. However, in Batachila, if at the beginning, meaning if there was never, if the string was never tied to the instrument, rather you're tying it now for the first time, then Kamachan Asur, it is forbidden both here and here, even in the Beis Hamikdash. The reason being that this rule that Machshire Mitzvah Deichmas Shabbos 
that if it's for the sake of a mitzvah, then it overrides Shabbos. That's only if the activity which you're doing could not have been done before Shabbos came in. So, for example, in the previous case, when Shabbos came in, the instrument was actually absolutely fine. The string only became detached on Shabbos itself. So, of course, you couldn't have repaired it before Shabbos, and therefore it's permitted. But if it was never tied before in the first place, so you definitely could have and should have done that before Shabbos came in, and therefore, even though it's for the sake of a mitzvah, it does not override Shabbos. All right, last of the example of the Mishnah, one is allowed to cut a wart on a Kohen in the Beit HaMikdash, because if he has a wart, then he's not able to do the service in the Beit HaMikdash, because that's considered a mum. It's considered a wound which disqualifies a Kohen from being able to serve in the Beit HaMikdash. So since, once again, this is for the sake of a mitzvah, and it's, in the, it's done in the Beit HaMikdash, so it is permitted to cut the wart. However, since this can be done in an unusual way, not in its regular manner, it must be done in an unusual way, such that you would only be violating a Midrabonon prohibition. So for example, you would cut it with your hand, with your nail, instead of using a real knife or a real tool which is meant for these things. But it cannot be done outside of the Beit HaMikdash, since even though it's done in an unusual way, it's still forbidden Midrabonon. However, says the mission of Imbakli, if it's done with a tool, an instrument which is used for cutting warts, so then is, that, that's considered the regular way of doing it, and it is forbidden mid due to the fact that it is a tolder, it's a subcategory of the malacha of geizes, of shearing a sheep, so too cutting the wart, that comes under that category, and therefore it is forbidden mid and so even in the Beit HaMikdosh it is forbidden. Now the Mishnah goes on to discuss a wound of a Kohen, which is not in a place where it would be a blockage between his hand and the utensils which he's using. If it's in there, that place, then he can't have the bandage on him whilst he is doing the service in the Beit HaMikdash. But if, let's say, he has a wound on his left hand, so he generally does the service of the Beit HaMikdash with his right hand. So there's no problem having a bandage while he is doing the service of the Beit HaMikdash. In fact, quite the opposite, it would be a lack of honor to serve in the Mesamikdosh with an open cut, with an open wound. So he should cover it, and even though in general it's forbidden to put bandages which are specially made to cover wounds for healing purposes, in general it is forbidden to do anything for the sake of healing on Shabbos. This is forbidden Midrabonon in case somebody comes to crush herbs for the sake of medicine. However, since this is only Midrabonon, the Mishnah says, Koen Shlokobetz Bo'oi a Kohen who has a wound or a cut on his finger, so we're talking about the finger of his left hand, so he doesn't need it for the service of the Beis HaMikdash, he can wrap it with a bandage, but not outside of the Beis HaMikdash. Now, if he puts the bandage on in such a way that he applies pressure to the wound so that blood comes out, in that case, also both here and here, meaning even inside of the Beis HaMikdash it's forbidden, since this is considered to be a toldoi, subcategory of the malacha of sheikhet, of slaughtering an animal, so too drawing blood is forbidden mid eraisa, or according to some it's considered a severe level of midrabanon, or since it's not needed for the sake of the service of the Beis HaMikdash, it would be forbidden even inside of the Beis HaMikdash. Next example, Beiskin Melach al Gabi Kevesh. It is permitted to spread salt on the ramp of the Mizbeach, Bishvoshayachviku, so that the people going up and down the ramp don't slip. And we're going to understand this is forbidden in a similar case outside of the Beis HaMikdash, it will be forbidden because it's considered fixing. If you've got an area which is very slippery, so it's not fit for walking on, and then you spread salt on it, you're fixing that area and making it fitting to walk there. So that is forbidden Mijabonon outside of the Beis HaMikdash. Now Mijabonon, it is also forbidden to fill up water, to draw water from a pit on Shabbos. If you do so in a way where you have ropes which are attached to a bucket, and in order to get the water, you basically pull on the ropes. 
you lower down the bucket and then pull up, pull on the ropes and that way you very easily get the water from a pit which could even be very low down and a very deep pit but if you use this mechanism of the ropes then you can draw the water like that and because it was so easy and quick to get the water like this the Chachon were concerned that if you're able to do so you might come to draw lots of water since you see that it's so easy and you might even come to water your field or water your plants with this water which is so easy to get and therefore, Mijabonon, it's forbidden to use this mechanism to get water from a pit on Shabbos. However, once again, they made an exception. It is permitted to fill up water from Burhagoyla or from the Burhagodol, the great well. These are two wells situated in the Beisamikdosh. Bagalgal, using this mechanism of the ropes by Shabbos on Shabbos. And lastly, there's one particular pit which the Chachom allowed one to fill water from even outside of the Besamikdash. And that is with the air Hakar Beyomtov. On Yomtov it's permitted to draw water from a particular well known as Be'er Hoker, and this refers to a particular well which when the Jewish people were, were returning from Bovel back to Eretz Yisrael just before the second Besamikdash was rebuilt so that those returning would have water on the journey they permitted this on Yomtov and they did not remove this permission afterwards. And therefore, even later on, on Yom Tov, it is permitted, this particular well, it is permitted to draw water from that well. Mishnah Teslov, since we're discussing the Beis HaMikdosh already, the Mishnah goes on to tell us that a Sheretz Shnimtz Mikdosh, if a Sheretz is found in the Beis HaMikdosh, a Sheretz is one of the eight small creatures which the Torah lists as having a high level of Tumah when they are dead. If a dead Sheretz touches an object or a person, then they become Tomei. Now, of course, it's forbidden to allow anything which is Tomei to be in the Beis HaMikdosh. So if somebody finds a dead Sheretz in the Beis HaMikdosh, it needs to be removed. Now, dead Sheretz is obviously Mukta on Shabbos. It has no use. And so if this is found in the Beis HaMikdosh on Shabbos, you'll have to violate the prohibition of Mukta in order to take it out of the Beis HaMikdosh. Now, there's a problem because if the Kohen comes, if the Kohen picks the Sheretz up to take it outside of the Beis HaMikdosh, then he automatically becomes Tomei. And there is a very severe prohibition of being in the Beis HaMikdosh whilst one is Tomei. So he can't touch the Sheretz directly, rather he should take it with something else, and that way that something else will become Tomei, but it won't be strong enough to make him Tomei as well. Now for something to be able to become Tomei, there are lots of conditions. Each material has different rules, and for example, a wooden item can only become Tomei if it can hold things. If it's like a bowl where there's actually a receptacle in there to hold things, but if it does not have that, then even if it touches something which is Tomei, it won't become Tomei. So the question of our Mishnah is if somebody is able to go and get a object like the like a wooden utensil which can't become Tomei and then to take the shirts out with that outside of the Beis HaMikdash should he do that or should he just take something else which he has on him immediately and get rid of the shirts as soon as he can. So according to the first opinion of the Mishnah a Kohen should take it out with his belt also known as the Avnate this is one of the garments which a Kohen needs to wear whilst in the Beis HaMikdash and the Avnit will become Tomei, and it's better that he do that in order to get rid of the Sheretz as soon as possible, Shlo in order not to keep the Tumah inside the Samikdosh for too long. That is the opinion of Rabbi Yechen ben Bereka. However, Rabbi Yehuda says, but Svashel eats, he should use wooden tongs or any other utensil which cannot become Tomei, Shlo in order not to increase the amount of things which are Tomei in the Samikdosh. It's better to wait a bit longer with one item which is Tomei in the Beis HaMikdash 
than to make something else Tomei in the Beis HaMikdash in the process of removing the Sheretz. Now remember when he is doing this, he is violating the Mijabonim prohibition of Mukta. And so he can only do this if it is an obligation. So the Mishnah asks, From where, from which places inside of the Beis HaMikdash would one take it out on Shabbos? The mitzvah of removing any Tumah from the Beis HaMikdash, which parts of the Beis HaMikdash does that apply? Says the Mishnah, in a Heichel, from the Heichel, which is the main Beis HaMikdash, that's the building of the Beis HaMikdash. And we know Ulam, this is a large room, which was just in front of the main building of the Beis HaMikdash. And in between the Ulam and the Mizbeach in the courtyard, in the Chotzer of the Beis HaMikdash. That is the opinion of Mishim Bananas. But if it's found, let's say, further outwards, in another part of the courtyard, for example, then you would leave it there until the end of Shabbos. Rabbi Akiva argues, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, Any place in the base of Mikdash where one is liable for entering there, whilst he is Tomei, whilst the person is Tomei, if he does it intentionally, he would be Chayv Kores. And if he does it unintentionally, for example, if he didn't know he was Tomei, then he would be obligated to bring a carbon Chatos. So any area where that applies, and really that refers to the entire courtyard as well, the entire Chatzar, says Biakiva, the same thing applies to this mitzvah of removing Tomei items from the Beit HaMikdash. And so Mishom Etzino, so from there he is obligated to take it out. So even if it's on Shabbos and there's usually a din of Mukta, over here he needs to take it out if it is found anywhere in the Beit HaMikdash according to Biakiva. Says the Mishnah, if it's found in any other place in the Beit HaMikdash or around the Beit HaMikdash, there, they should cover it with a pot, and then once Shabbos goes out, then they should remove the sherets from the Beit HaMikdash. Alright, now the Masechta ends off with two statements of Rabbi Shimon, which are actually related to two different, totally separate Mishnahis, which we had earlier on in the Masechta. It's interesting they are placed here, but be it as it may, the first of those refers to a din which we learnt in the fourth parak. that Rabbi Shimon himself said that if somebody is found when Shabbos comes in within 15 amas of the mark, which is at the edge of the tuchum of a city. As we learnt, every city has a tuchum Shabbos, 2,000 amas in every direction, and they would measure the 2,000 amas and put a mark at the end of the 2,000 amas. Now, if somebody finds himself within 15 amas, outside of the tuchum, past the mark, but within 15 amas of that mark. So though I would think that it is forbidden for him to actually travel all the way to the city, because seemingly he is further than 2,000 amas away from the city, and so his Mokum Hashavisa, the place where he is considered to be living, is where he is situated right now, so he can only travel 2,000 amas in every direction, which does not allow him to reach the city. However, as we learned, when they put the mark of the edge of the Trum, they didn't actually put it at the end of 2,000 amas, Rather, it was 15 amas inwards, and therefore if somebody finds themselves within 15 amas of that mark, that is a sign that they are actually within the tchum of the city, and they are therefore allowed to travel all the way to the city on Shabbos itself. And their tchum is, of course, going to be the same as if, as if they were inside of the city, so they have 2,000 amas in every direction of the city. Now, the last statement of the Masechta goes back to a Mishnah in this parak where we learn that although it's forbidden Midrabonon outside of the Beis HaMikdash to tie even a temporary knot on an instrument, if let's say one of the strings broke off, it would be forbidden to tie that on Shabbos. In the Beis HaMikdash it's permitted, since it's a requirement for the service of the Beis HaMikdash, and since it's only forbidden Midrabonon because it's a temporary knot, it can be tied in the Beis HaMikdash on Shabbos. However, Rabbi Shimon says this is forbidden, the reason being, because the Chachom only permitted in the Beis HaMikdash to violate things which are forbidden on Shabbos. Meaning, 
only things which are totally forbidden mid Rabbanan and have no connection to anything forbidden mid Uraisa, only those things can't be done in the Islamic Dash. But if by doing the Midrabonon prohibition, you might come to violate a prohibition mid Uraisa, then even in the Beis Hamikdash it is forbidden. So in this case, if you are allowed to do a temporary knot, you could very easily come to make a permanent knot, and that would be forbidden mid Uraisa. And therefore, even the temporary knot, which is forbidden mid Rabbanon, is forbidden even in the Beis Hamikdash. Solik Maseches Erevin Mazeltov. We move on to Masech's Psachim, and Masech's Psachim is pretty much split into half. The first half of Masech's discusses the laws of Chomets, making sure one searches for the Chomets and destroys it and doesn't have it on Pesach, and doesn't own any Chomets on Pesach, whereas the second half of Masech's, except for the last Perek, focuses more on the Korban Pesach which was brought in the Beis Hamikdash on Erev Pesach. And the Masechta opens up with a discussion of Bedikas Chomets, of searching for the Chomets, and the purpose of Bedikas Chomets is either so that somebody does not come to violate the prohibition of owning Chomets on Pesach, so he needs to search his house to make sure that he gets rid of all the Chomets which he can find, although according to many, that is not the purpose of Bedikas Chomets, because anyway, before Pesach begins, or the truth is before the afternoon of Erev Pesach, Already from the afternoon of Erev Pesach, it's forbidden to own any Chomets. So before the afternoon of Chomets, one is obligated to nullify any of his rights and any of his possession of any Chomets which he has. He makes a declaration that any Chomets which he has should be like dust of the earth. It's as if it's not there. He doesn't own it. And according to that, the purpose of Vedikas Chomets is not so that you don't own any Chomets on Pesach. The bittel, the declaration, when you nullify all of your Chomets, that's enough. And therefore many explain that the purpose of Bidikas Chomets is so that one does not come to find Chomets on Pesach in his own house and then come to eat it. So that is the purpose of Bidikas Chomets. Be it as it may, the Mishnah begins, On the night of the 14th day of Nisan, the night before Pesach begins, One must search for Chomets by the light of a candle in any place where he owns and could have brought Chomets there throughout the year. The reason why this mitzvah should ideally be done at night is because then most of the people who live in the house are at home. They can all search for the chametz and also so that a candle can be used. And that way, even if it's dark, you use the candle and that way you'll search even more carefully and you'll light up even the corners so that you can really do a proper search for chametz at night. Says the Mishnah, Any place where you don't bring chametz into that place ever, for example, if you have a cellar which is used for storage, so you very rarely enter that room, and if you do enter, you're not going to bring in Chomets there. And because of that, in Sarah Pradika, it does not need a searching. We're not concerned that an animal might have dragged some food into there. Since it's so unlikely that Chomets is there, you can rely on that assumption, and you do not need to check that um, area. Now, if that's the case, ask the mission of Loma Omru, why did the Chachomim say that one does need to check Shteishurais Bamaritef, two rows of barrels in a wine cellar, there was a known halacha of the Chachamim that if somebody has a wine cellar, then he does need to check the two outer rows between the barrels, check if there is Chomets over there. We'll see in the end of this Mishnah what exactly the two rows means. But the Mishnah asks, surely you shouldn't need to check that place at all. People don't bring Chomets into a wine cellar, so the Mishnah answers, We're referring to a place where people do sometimes bring Chomets into there. And as the Gemara explains, there are two types of cellars. If it's a cellar which is used purely for storage, then it does not need to be checked. But if it's in your house and you use it to get wine, so every now and then when you need more wine, you go down and bring wine from there. We're concerned that one servant went into the wine cellar, 
in the middle of a meal whilst eating some bread, and you brought bread into that room or any other items of chametz, and then maybe left it there and forgot about it. So because of that, one does need to check that room for chametz. Now, what exactly does it mean that you have to check the two outer rows? So beis shama, I mean beis shama, I say teishroi sal pnei kolamartef. One needs to check two of the rows on the face of the entire cellar. Meaning, if let's say you have lots of barrels stacked up, and there are lots of rows, one in front of the other. So the two outer rows, the two front rows, those need to be checked fully. So from top to bottom, even if there's, let's say, five barrels stacked one on top of the other, all of the barrels in the front two rows need to be checked. I mean, Basil say they are more lenient. It's only the two outer rows, the two outer layers, which are at the top. Meaning if, let's say, you've got lots of barrels stacked one on top of the other, and you've got lots of layers, one in front of the other. So according to Beis Hillel, only the outer layer needs to be checked, and only the two top rows of the outer layer need to be checked. Whereas according to Beis Shammai, the entire two outer layers need to be checked. That's at least how we're going to understand the Mishnah, although the Gemara does bring a machlekes about both opinions and different ways to interpret it.